It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. So the SECURE Act 2.0 was passed December 23 of 2022, and it introduced nearly 100 new tax law changes. Now, those are going to take effect in the near future with some of the biggest starting in 2024, and we're sharing what they are and how they impact your financial plan on today's show. We're geeking out. We're geeking out for sure, because this is uh, SECURE Act 2.0. It's 1.0 was confusing. 2.0... Uh, is twice as confusing. And the the bad jokes are starting right now. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or needs, we can help in any way. You can call or text us 574-222-2000 at 574-222-2000 online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can reach out to us that way as well. Learn more about the show, the firm, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. So Kevin, you mentioned it's passed on December 23rd. I, I wasn't even aware of it. I think it was late in the day. Because I woke up Christmas Eve, Cindy's trying to do like family breakfast, and I get a notice, <laughs> and I'm 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 off work, and I get the notice that they passed this thing, and I was shocked. I was shocked, and I start looking. Oh my, okay, is the raw thing in there? Yeah, and Cindy's like, Mike, put it down. <laughs> and I just had to listen to the boss and uh, and catch up on all the details. But but yeah, Secure Act 1.0 was passed late. 2019 took effect in 2020 and it had oh maybe eight doozies you know eight big tax law changes secure 2.0 has a hundred has a hundred and so it makes things wildly more complicated most of these complications involve added flexibility but is if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, doesn't make a noise. So if you have more flexibility and options with your financial plan, but you don't understand them, then are they really new options for you? Well, we're going to help you with that today. I think it's a sign that we're getting old, though, because uh, when they start messing with the rule book this often and this extremely, and doesn't it just have your financial brain, your, your head spinning a little bit? Uh, staying on top of this and helping clients to actually apply it. Uh, it's, it's a real job now. When they, when the Secure Act 1.0 came out, and again, that was like eight tax law changes. We sat in a conference room with all of our advisors and we went through sort of rule by rule. And at the end, everyone was sort of overwhelmed. And, and I said, okay, guys, your our job as financial planners just got that much more important yeah. because the investment only professional this person that's just out there trying to help you with your 401k they're going to be obsolete because they're not going to keep up on these rules and this is where there's a lot of value add to your financial life so yeah it, it's very interesting because is as i look at this and and the first one we're going to get into is this whole 529 to roth and it, it is the, the complication makes it so that you have to be playing the long game. Mm-hmm. You you have to have a context. And if you're only making decisions in a vacuum, and I, I talked to some folks um, that were interested in working with us, and they've worked with a, a, a local investment seller uh, for many years and, are, and have a great relationship. Well, guys that 
and gals that sell relation that, that sell investments, they're probably pretty decent at relationships. So of course they had a good relationship. But the problem <laughs> was they funded their kids college without using the 529 plan. Oh, so they gave up 15 grand. And I they're in Indiana. Yeah. Ouch. And it's 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 unnecessary. Mm. So and what would what what would likely have been the situation is they still would have had some extra dough lying around. Yeah. And that one that money could have been used for what we're going to be talking about right now. So let's get into it. This is the biggie uh, of the 100. If you were to ask me, well, OK, what's the biggest tax law change? It's this one. And and that is that the 529 plan starting next year. So, again, we're, we're going to break down these rule changes, but the ones that take effect in 2024, starting next year, you're going to be allowed to transfer dollars from your 529 plan, from a 529 plan, into the Roth IRA of that student, of that beneficiary, of that child. It's supposed to take effect next year. Lots of limitations. There's still some, some details being worked out. Yeah, there are. And, you know, the, the why behind this portion of the tax law change, though, I, I think it, it goes a long way to addressing some of uh, parents' concern that they may get money, extra dollars stuck in a 529 plan at the end of the college years. Now you have another option of what to do with that money that's still proactive, helping your kids. If you just help them get established in their career by educating them well and helping them get through the college years, and now you have an opportunity to also help them get established in their investment game plan, get them saving long-term with any extra dollars that are left over in the 529 plan by shifting it into one of our favorite long-term savings vehicles, the Roth IRA, where it can grow tax-free for you. All right, so here are the limitations, and I, let's see if I can share all of them. So uh, a 529 plan has an owner, a successor owner, and a beneficiary. So there's three parties that are listed. There's there's one owner, successor owner, and that's the person that takes over if the owner passes away. And then the beneficiary isn't the person who receives the money when that owner dies. The beneficiary is the student. It's the it's the it's the child. It's the individual that would be using the dollars for college. Okay. So so here's the deal. This this transfer from 529 to Roth IRA is only allowed if that 529 has been opened and around for 15 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. What we still don't know is if you change your beneficiary, which you're you're allowed to do, mm -hmm. it's you know fairly easy to do. If you change your beneficiary, does that restart a new 15-year clock? Right. I, so we, Josh and I, were listening to an expert talk on this, and and he said he didn't think that's that's the intention. So he doesn't think that's how they're going to rule. But we're still waiting for the IRS to tell us that. So that's the first rule. Your 529 needs to be around for 15 years. Um, that's that's one. Two, the the transfer there's an annual limit, or excuse me, a lifetime limit of thirty five thousand dollars. That's the maximum you're allowed to transfer from a five twenty nine to a Roth IRA. That is not indexed for inflation. It says it's hard coded into the code, into the law, thirty five thousand dollars. So that may be out in there in, in the future. They might increase that. Not not right now. That's the second limitation. Third is those transfers are up to the contribution limit for the year. So you can't transfer all 35,000 at once. You can't transfer 10,000 at once. The contribution limit to the Roth IRA this year is $6,500. Um, but you have to have earned income. So that child would need to have enough earned income. How that contribution limit works right now is it's 100% of your earned income payroll um, up to 6,500. 
whichever is less. So in other words, that student or recent graduate has to have earned at least $6,500 in paycheck money during that year in order to do the maximum contribution to the Roth IRA. That's right. Whether that's out of their paycheck, out of savings, or in this case, transferring it from the 529 plan. Can I yeah. sneak one more in before? It, just sneak away. Okay, so the, the last real big rule, because there's lots of implications and there's layers here, um, is the um, any contributions you make to the 529 plan within five years, those contributions are not eligible to be transferred to the Roth. Both the contribution and the growth on those contributions are not eligible to be transferred to the Roth within five years. And they put that rule in place because if you're not eligible, because this is why I want to interrupt you, Kevin, if you're not eligible to fund a Roth IRA because you make too much money, then one possible way around it is, well, I'll contribute to a 529 plan and then I'll move, I'll transfer it to my Roth because this transfer to the Roth is allowed as long as you have enough earned income, but there's no max income limit on it mm-hmm. where there is for the Roth IRA kind of a loophole, contribution. Isn't it? It's a loophole. Absolutely. So that's why they put that five year restriction on there. Yeah. And the one thing I wanted to just uh, clarify is the the thirty five thousand is per individual. Yeah. So when you say it's it it's you know as I listen to this, it's all confusing. And if you say there's a thirty five thousand dollar lifetime limit on how much you can transfer from a five twenty nine to a Roth, it's per individual. So you could have three children, so you could do thirty five to each child, and you could have three grandchildren and do thirty five to each of them. And you might say, well, I, there's no way I've got all of these five twenty nines open or funded to that level, well, it's time to get started. Yeah, that's right. So what are the big planning implications around these rules? And then, guys, I mean, we could do a full show just on this change. We probably will because there's so much to it. To me, this is the biggie and lots of planning implications. But further, we're going to get to, well, what other big tax law changes were baked in to the Secure Act 2.0 that take effect in 2024? And how do those shape your financial plans? We've got that more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 529 plan to Roth, those, that, that rule, this new law takes effect next year. Is that something that you're taking advantage of? How does it influence your financial plan, your decisions right now? We're helping with that more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. Go search The Wise Money Show, sub- subscribe to it, or follow us there. Rate the program there at your favorite podcasting site. We appreciate it. Talking about the Secure Act 2.0 changes that are about to take effect starting in 2024. Are you prepared? How does it influence your financial plan? Guys, the biggie of all 100 tax law changes is this 529 to Roth IRA. Now, I made changes to my own personal financial life. I've got three kiddos. Uh and the oldest just turned 13. Thank you for your prayers. And <laughs> for us, just for ease of management and contributions and whatnot, even though we've had three kids, we've only had one 529 plan, and we just dump all the college money in there. And we'll just you know sort it out in the end. We'll do like rock, paper, scissors and see who gets the most. And uh, so they're competing, right? Yeah, now, that's right? right. They don't know, <laughs> but yes, the, but we'll wrestle for it. it. Dion Sanders, he he ranks his kids. I think someone someone told me that. So I'm just taking after prime. So anyway, just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, the, the thought was okay. That's easier to manage, and blah blah blah. Well, 
I don't know. We don't know if they're going to require that this a change in beneficiary resets this 15-year clock. So I don't want to wait to find out because I, they could rule either way. So I created 529 plans for each of the other two. Just, just, just to get that started, start that 15-year clock just, just in case. Yeah, I, so when you when you think about the 529 plan, and it's a little bit confusing to create some sort of a decision tree on the radio, but you say, what, why would I have a 529 plan? And the, the, the nice thing about a 529 plan is you've got tax-deferred growth for uh, typically the purpose is education. But there are some other features about the 529 plan that are really beneficial. So you control the money, but it's outside of your estate. Well, that can that can be meaningful. How meaningful? Well, let's talk at the end of 2025, and I'll, I'll tell you what the, the federal estate tax exemption is and how meaningful it actually is. Right. And so the, the issue with all of these is you really have to be – um, in my opinion, you have to be playing the long game. You have to be maxing things out regardless of what the rules are because the rules have changed completely. And so it used to be, well, I can only use this 529 plan for college. Well, no, now I can use it for K through 12. And they're all different. Now I can take it and put it into a Roth IRA. So the rules continue to change and things continue to shift. So if you... If you, this is what I would think about doing. Plan on funding a 529 plan, and you say, well, how much should I fund it for? At the minimum, I would fund it up to the level that you get a benefit from your whatever state you're paying taxes in. Yep. So I pay, I live in Michigan and pay taxes in Indiana. I'm, I'm funding a 529 plan up to 7,500 bucks. That's what and, and Indiana has a fabulous uh, benefit for that. If you live in Michigan, you probably want to put ten grand in. Speaking of, I, we have to also assume, you know, this separation of of Fed laws and state laws. We have to assume that your state may not treat a transfer out of your five twenty nine plan to your Roth as an eligible withdrawal, and they might claw back some of those state benefits. We don't know that yet either. So just just be aware of that. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, by definition, all the strategies that we're talking about right now yeah. are when you have extra resources or available resources and you want to help somebody else with their education or getting started with their retirement contributions. Um, I, I hope it goes without saying, but you would want to make that type of a decision on what level of funding you're going to help your kids with along the way based on your financial plan. You know, there, there have been plenty of examples that we've seen over the years where, um, you know, sometimes parents don't even realize that they're doing it, but they're actually giving away some of their own retirement security by overfunding their kids' education beyond what they can actually afford. Because the cash is there. We mm -hmm. can do it. There's incentives to do it, tax benefits if you make these contributions. But if you go too far beyond what your own financial um, capabilities are, you may not actually know that you're doing that until way down the road when you get to retirement and you realize, boy, my, my retirement nest egg isn't as large as I needed it to be for the mm -hmm. lifestyle I, I needed. And that's exactly why, you know, we, we often talk about financial planning as th this is playing chess, not checkers, right? You're planning several moves uh, down, down the, the game here, not 
just what's in front of you, just what the opportunities are um, presenting themselves today. You need to be thinking long term, and that's what a certified financial planner does for you. It's weighing options. If if you've got resources and you want to do something really proactive, really great with it, contributing it to a 529 plan may have just gotten a little bit better or a little bit safer because it's less risky that money's going to get stuck there. But you still have to balance that with, I have other goals that I'm trying to achieve as as well. Yeah, I'm going to say money stuck in a 529 plan, though, really is urban legend. Like, it, it's never going to be stuck there because it's easily repurposed. And you say, well, if I repurpose it, I might have to pay back the credit that I received in Indiana. Yep, you got money, you're giving it back to the state. Oh, by the way, you had the use of it for how many years? So it's not the end of the, of the world. My thinking would be, I'm setting up a 529 for the purpose of educating my kids or grandkids. grandkids. Certainly, I I should not jeopardize my retirement security in doing so, but it it, it just became more flexible, and I would spend my 529 plan as, as low as it can go for the purpose of education because we're all excited about this and you're like well wait a minute i can use 529 plan to fund a roth yeah but guess what i bet there's a bunch of money that you have control over that's not in a 529 plan that you can still use to fund a roth yeah so Mm -hmm. so this is where we kind of fixate on this 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 option that we can do and i'm like well no, 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 no. Our options are much grander, much more broad than just this. This is a cool option if I've got extra money, but this is where I'm thinking in terms of I I've got the, the I got more money than I need. I'm funding whatever I can get that will be tax favored and then I'm I'm doing something strategic with these dollars. Yeah. Do you guys think of this as just kind of another alternative to the backdoor Roth IRA contribution? Absolutely. Um, Especially for, I'm thinking about certain clients where they have significant income, so Mm -hmm. they're, they're phased out of being able to just contribute straight into a Roth IRA. They could do a backdoor Roth contribution, which we've talked about many times on, on the show here, but you have to have uh, kind of, certain circumstances in place in order to really even pull that one off as well. And if if you have already a bunch of money in an IRA, doing a Roth conversion or a backdoor Roth contribution is is tricky um, or, or may just not even be ideal at all uh, in some circumstances. And these same clients who can't contribute directly, probably shouldn't do a backdoor Roth IRA, would be a wonderful candidate for if, if there are extra dollars in their kids' 529 plans, and it sure looks like there could be in, in many cases, this is a way for them to repurpose that money, get it into a Roth, and let it grow tax-free forever. Or open a 529 plan for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're 40 years old, you're, you're over the limit, or you think you might be over the limit to, to make Roth contributions out there in the future. Open a 529 plan, throw 100 bucks in it right now, start that 15-year clock for yourself and start funding it at some point, and then know that you can transition those dollars to the Roth IRA. Now, we're going to need to move on, but Kevin, you you mentioned the long game. I'm just going to throw this math out there. I didn't do the math. We didn't do the math. It's But whether you want to fact check this or not, there is an answer in here. How much would you need to put into a 529 plan to have it grow to approximately 
35000 that's that lifetime limit, by, that chi- by the time the child's 16 years old and starts a part-time job. Answers about eleven grand. You put eleven grand in the year that child's born should grow to about thirty-five grand when they're sixteen. They start working. You transition a little bit. You know the sixty-five hundred a year of that over to the Roth. Then what's that Roth IRA? What are those dollars? That original eleven grand. What's that worth by the time that child turns sixty-five? All this money has been tax sheltered. About a million bucks. So there is a huge opportunity here playing the long game. And, and planning ahead. So, all right, we fixated on that one big rule. It is the biggie. What other big tax law changes are taking effect in 2024 from the Secure Act 2.0? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What Secure Act 2.0 laws are set to take effect in 2024? What are those biggies? How do they influence your plan? We're hitting that more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. We're hitting these the, the, big, the big changes within the Secure Act 2.0 that take effect in 2024. Now, the in, in my opinion... While it made things, Secure Act 2.0 made things wildly complicated, for the most part, I'm a fan because it gives you more choice, gives you more flexibility, more options. And then through the proactive planning process, you figure out, well, which of these options, which of this new flexibility should you implement and which one shouldn't you? There was one thing, and I don't want to say just the one, but I think I think it's mostly just the one, where it didn't create more flexibility, it created more rigidity. Mm-hmm. It's inflexible. And it was supposed to start in 2024. But thanks to some lobbying and everyone complaining and everything, just about a month ago, they said, we're actually going to postpone this release until 2026. We're still talking about it right now because you might have had this on your radar thinking, I've got to make this change starting in 2024. It's actually delayed until 2026. And that is required Roth contributions or Roth catch-up contributions for high wage earners. Guys, explain the rule. Well, I think you have to begin with understanding or being reminded of how the rule exists as we know it today. Here in 2023, when you reach age 50 and you are contributing to a retirement plan at work, you're allowed to now ramp up your contributions and do a catch-up contribution. You're allowed to contribute more than you could a year ago. And uh, instead of contributing 22500 you can do an extra 7500 which gets you up to a $30,000 maximum. So that catch-up contribution of an additional 7500 it begins at age 50. Well, the new rule, uh, Secure Act 2.0, said, well, listen, if you are a high-wage earner, if, if you have a, a big paycheck um, from a single employer, and they define big paycheck as 145000 per year or more, then that extra contribution we were just talking about, the, the catch-up, has to be a Roth contribution. And that, that's brand new. Um, this is kind of a big deal because, by definition, you know, someone who is in a higher tax bracket or, or a high-income um, situation, the, the additional contributions that you were allowed to make, that was a valuable tax write-off for you. You know, that extra 7500 reduces the amount of income you're going to pay tax on in our current world. 
but not in the new world. Now um, that $7,500 has to get taxed and then be contributed after taxes are paid to the Roth portion of your, your retirement plan. So lots of questions uh, about this, and, and one of them is, well, is that $145,000 this year? And, and no, it's, it's $145,000 or more that you earned in paycheck money last year. Well, is that gross income, total income, all your income? Nope. It's, uh, it, it's just from that employer. So if you have two jobs and you make less than $145,000 um, at each of them, but when you combine it, it's over $145,000. Does that mean I'm, I'm you know, required with this new rule? No, it's from that employer where you are contributing to the 401k is from that employer. Did you make $145,000 or more last year? Can you imagine if they hadn't made the rule that way? If, right. if it was just when your income goes over $145,000, you're no longer eligible, you have to do these catch-up contributions as Roth, you would have to be coordinating between multiple employers, potentially. You'd, you'd have to basically keep track of how much you earn on each of these paychecks and when have I crossed the line and it would make a mess. So thankfully, they, they had the foresight to say, no, this is looked at employer by employer. And uh, when you cross the line of 145 grand for the prior year's income, that's when this rule kicks in for you. You're Man, being over- when you put it that way, Josh, I am thankful. <laughs> that's amazing. What a great... I'm, I'm going to write my senator and congressman today. So, all right. So... This law was supposed to take effect starting 2024. So you should have been aware of what your income was and thinking through right now as you're doing your tax planning, okay, will I have to you know, have more income showing on my tax return because I, I didn't get the deduction. However, imagine the logistical nightmare of tracking this and and enforcing it and and even though someone has elected on their within their um, their retirement software or payroll software, I want my contributions to go pre-tax. Imagine requiring that even though they made that election, you have to flip it over to the Roth. There's other rules in there about well, what if you don't have a Roth feature? Ninety percent of 401ks have Roth features. What about the ten percent that don't? You're actually based on how this rule was written. No one's allowed to do any catch-up contributions. And so this has been a logistical nightmare. And so they have been up in arms saying, there's no way you can expect us to enforce this with, with just 365 days to plan. And to make matters worse, when they went from the approved bill to what the president signed, they, oops, deleted a paragraph. <laughs> they deleted a paragraph explaining how this rule was supposed to be, was supposed to take effect. And somehow they passed something that says, oh, we are adding this back in, even though it wasn't part of the actual law that was signed. Unbelievable. You can't make it up. Maybe there's going to be a Netflix movie about it, documentary. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm joking. But that's it's unreal. So you've got a couple more years to plan for this. Even though you have that, I wouldn't expect this is the student loan administrative forbearance where they're going to keep kicking this down the keep kicking this can down the road. No, at, at some point if you make over $145,000, you've got a plan that your catch-up contributions are going to be Roth. How does that influence your financial plan? Does this mean you shouldn't do catch-up contributions? I would argue no. 
But does it mean you should be proactive with potential tax implications? Yes, you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this this demonstrates the need to have an operating system and to understand, because you say, well, does this stuff affect me? And, and if so, how does it? And when will it? And all these things. It, you know, it's interesting. I was meeting this week with a couple of uh, estate planning attorneys, and these guys were uh, very... Um, they were, I'm going to say they're both older than me. So uh, they had, they've had long careers and they were talking about a house that was highly appreciated. And they said, well, when you sell your house, you can just roll the gains from your house into the new house. Um, And that is, well, don't look at me like that. That's how it worked (laughs) back in 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Yeah. So 30 30 years ago. So when, when those guys started their law careers, that's how the rules worked. And so if you're saying, hey, I'm, hey, I'm good with it, like the rules, I know, I know the rules, I know how to figure out my financial life and my financial plan, you might, but we're not even, I mean, we're talking about how to implement and when does this happen from the stuff that happened in, in December of 22, yeah. where really the stuff that happened in December of 19 still is, it, we're still kind of waiting for some of that to take effect. Mm-hmm. And, and don't also forget that these catch-up contributions in the year you turn age 60, 61, 62, 63, those are about to be expanded as well. That doesn't take effect in 2024. It takes effect in 2025. But, yeah, the rules are, are all different. Now, another change from the Secure Act 2.0 that takes effect next year actually took effect this year, but it really didn't impact anyone. And that is moving the required minimum distribution age that was 70 and a half, got moved to 72, moving it to 73. Here's why I'm saying this is a little bit of a stretch, why I'm saying it impacts people starting in 2024 is because when they moved it from 72 to 73 in 2023, you already started your RMD the previous year. So so no new no new individuals, unless it was from an inherited account, no new individuals needed to start RMD in 2023. And in 2024, if you're turning 73 that year, you're going to have to start your required minimum distribution. Right now, the fall of the year before, now is the time to start planning for that. Does that mean you should do a Roth conversion this year so that you reduce what that RMD is going to be next year? Does that mean you should capture some losses or capture some gains or do some other creative tax planning, possibly knowing that that rule is going to take effect next year? Now, forecasting out or, or, or looking out nine years, nine years from now, that we're going to have that same thing where the, the the age changes. And so for a year, no one will, no new people will need to take their RMD because it'll be transitioning to, uh, to 75, age 75 out there in 2033, I believe is when it is. Mm-hmm. So, all right, more tax law changes that more coming up on the wise money show with Corhorn financial group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFT studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content that we we post all throughout the work week, is right there on the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications. So you're made aware every time we drop new content, whether that's a a full talk show or new content all throughout the work week, and then leave comments and questions there as well. That's where many questions come from. 
that we hit on the show. So, all right, we're talking about the big tax law changes from Secure Act 2.0 that take effect in 2024. The biggie is the 529 to Roth transfer. Uh, the the other one that was supposed to take effect in 2024 but delayed until 26 is the high wage earners required to have their catch-up contributions be be Roth. All right, couple small ones. We're going to hit these more rapid fire because eh, we were talking. Yeah, we're talkers. Um, so starting in 2024, the catch-up contribution for IRAs and Roth IRAs is going to start being indexed for inflation. It never has been. And previously, it hasn't been. So you might think, okay, well, I know the contribution limit has gone up. Yep, it went from 6000 to 6500 Yeah, but that catch-up contribution has been 1000 and it's been a thousand since it was five hundred, and and that's it for a long time. Well, they're going to start indexing this for inflation starting next year, and it will increase in one penny increments. No, I'm just kidding. One hundred dollar. <laughs> it pretty close though. It's almost that absurd. May as well be a hundred dollar increments. So get ready. You so, Kevin, Josh, can you remember? 401k contribution limits, IRA contribution limits. Yeah, pretty much. What about HSA contribution limits? No. no yeah. I can't remember those. Yeah. Why? Because they change in $50 increments. Get ready. That's yeah. what we're going to see with IRA and Roth IRA. So again, I think the risk here isn't that, oh, they're making it so tedious. No, no, no. You're going to have some leakage. You're going to have some seepage. And we've talked about this on a few shows before where you're contributing to your your Roth IRA, you can't do that out of pocket or out of your paycheck. You got to do it out of pocket. And so you'd start that on a monthly basis. Yeah, I'm contributing 500 bucks into my Roth. Blah, blah, blah. I'm maxing it out. No, no, no. You're maxing out what the limit was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You're not maxing it out now. There's more that you could be putting in this thing. Yeah, it, it takes away a little bit of the benefit of putting your financial life on autopilot, right? Your contribution should be automated. It should be a decision that you make and then let it be carried out automatically, either by uh, an automatic transfer from your bank to your Roth contribution or out of your paycheck into your retirement plan at work. Whatever it is, we love automation. We love the systematic approach to you hitting your goals. The problem is you're going to now have to recalibrate every single year. You know, you're going to have to re-examine and say, all right, I was maxing out my contributions. Now what are the new limits going to be? Um, and, and how do I continue to move higher with my contributions as I'm allowed to mo- moving forward? But this one, it, it's kind of a strange rule. I, I don't understand why they did it this way with the catch-up contribution, but they're not indexing the um, just standard contribution, yeah, right? So the other quick one, this is not going to be a big impact, but no more required minimum distribution on Roth 401ks, you'd think, well, you'd think that shouldn't even be the case, one. And then and then if it was the case, you'd think, well, that's effective immediately. Nope. Effective 2024. Does not make sense. So if you're age 72 or older and are not working but have a Roth 401k, which is essentially no one, I'm assuming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then then you have to take an RMD this year, but you won't need to next year. This is this is a non-issue because you likely should be transitioning at retirement, rolling your 401k over to an IRA, rolling the Roth side over to a Roth IRA should be a non-issue, but they did make that change. This is a a glitch in the tax code that basically said 401ks have required minimum distribution. 
and in when they started the Roth 401k, it would it got sucked up into that language, and so they they applied a fix there. So don't miss that though, because the fact that you can have money inside of a Roth IRA or now a Roth 401k and not be required to pull a minimal amount out at age 73 or someday age 75. That's a big deal. I mean, it's essentially a way for you to continue to shelter this money outside of the reach of, mm-hmm. of the tax man, let it grow, not just tax deferred, but tax free even longer. So it, again, it's, it's one of the reasons why if you haven't looked closely in, in recent years at whether you should be contributing to a Roth or moving money from an IRA to a Roth that way, that's called a Roth conversion. If you haven't looked at that closely, keep re-examining it every single year. Uh, that's a good yeah. segue here because there's there's two more that I'm quickly going to mention here, and these are actually tax laws changes from the Secure Act 2.0 that took effect in 2023, but no one's been able to do them. You can't do them yet. They they logistically haven't figured it out yet, and they'll probably start in 2024. And and that is your employer contributions. You can now elect those to be Roth contributions instead of pre-tax. That was effective immediately, and it's, it's as if Congress has no idea what actually happens in the real world, because to figure that out logistically was going to take at least a year. And yeah, no one's been able to do it yet, where you can say, okay, that company match, that employer match, thank you very much. It's always been pre-tax, whether, that's, whether you're contributing pre-tax or Roth, the match that you receive has always been pre-tax. It can now be Roth, but you really can't do it yet. Expect that change to happen in 2024. If that grinds your gears and you were really hoping to do that this year, nothing's stopping you from doing an in-plan Roth conversion right now, looking at your company match and just doing a conversion. The odds are when they allow this company match to be be Roth, there's not going to be extra withholdings on that money. So you're going to need to figure out a way to get taxes withheld because now you're going to have that income showing up on your return. And then lastly, last one that was supposed to take effect in 2023, they haven't figured it out yet. It'll probably roll out in 2024 sometime. And that is the ability for your simple IRA to be a Roth or -hmm. your SEP IRA to be a Roth. And can we just say it it hasn't come soon enough? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's easy. They should have done this a long time ago. Yeah. And that, and that isn't even mandatory. So right. you could just have the basic bro, yeah. traditional, simple IRA. This is it, the, the thing that I would add a couple of things here, Mike. There are tremendous benefits to small employers to starting a retirement plan mm-hmm. right now, especially if you have under 100 employees. So I would, I would, I would look at those things in 2025. If you start a new 401k, auto enrollment is going to be mandatory. So if you are in HR and you're saying, hey, um, I don't want to mess around with auto enrollment, I'd say get your plan started before 2025. There's a $500 tax credit if you add auto enrollment to your plan. So there's there's a lot of return. So that feature, you can be grandfathered in if you get started early enough, you're saying? Yeah, and I'm going to just say for now, yeah. I'm assuming they're going to change it. I mean, we just we just started with a, a company, and they're doing auto enrollment at 6%. It's got to be somewhere, it can be 3 to 10%. Hmm. And a lot of companies say, well, I'm, I don't want to dictate to my employees what they have to do. And the only thing you're really dictating with auto enrollment is, you have to raise your hand and say no mm-hmm. if you don't want to do it. Yeah. 
they can still opt out. They're still in the driver's seat, but the default is going to be I'm automatically enrolling. I'm automatically contributing. Right. Unless I, I, I choose to pull the brake lever myself. Right. But the, it is this slow death by a thousand paper cuts that make the HR folks and the finance <laughs> folks yeah. say, I don't want, I, we make widgets. I don't want to be, have a second business that yeah. is a retirement plan business. I was thinking of that earlier because Mike, you said that uh, what, 90% of retirement plans have a Roth feature to them, but there's still 10% out there that don't? I made that number up. Oh. No, I'm okay. just kidding. No, no. <laughs> no, kidding. That was yeah. believable. Yeah, I was no. like, yeah, it seems like something you would do. Yeah. 67% <laughs> of statistics are made up. Yeah, yeah 90% of, of plans have a Roth feature. But 10% don't. Right. 10% wake up. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, public service announcement. It. It's time. Every so often, you should be reviewing your retirement plan and what you're offering to your employees anyway. But there are new rules. There's new features. There's more flexibility than there's ever been. And you need to be taking advantage of it. Yeah, and every so often, your plan needs to be restated anyway to accommodate the, the newer things. But I would say if you're not benchmarking your plan, if, you, if you're not in a pooled employer plan, there's, there's a lot. Yep. All right. Yep. So here's the deal. That uh, the financial world, your financial plan is changing. The financial decisions or choices you have are changing as well. Are you prepared? And do you have the right process and operating system to explore these new options and determine which of them are great and you need to go after and which of them you should pass on work with your CFP? That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. I haven't said nice. the disclaimer yet. I am sick, just like everyone else is. Really? Yeah. So I'm sick normal. and turd. Hey, I I think. Did you say tired? Yeah, sick and tired. It sounded more like turd. Whoa! I'm sick and turd. <laughs> yeah, sick and turd. Sick and turd. Yeah, sick and turd. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.